Hey, what's going on, guys? Today, Dave and I will discuss what are the signs that tell you it's time to end your cycle. No, not that. Anything but that. Yeah, unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. After that, we've got your listener questions, and there will be timestamps below if you want to skip around. And if you want to take part in the next show, then let me encourage you to ask your questions in the YouTube comments here, plus comments, likes, all that stuff. It helps to boost us in the algorithm. You guys are freaking awesome at that. Thank you very much. This week, we're asking, what's the biggest fat loss transformation you've seen as coaches? What's the difference in how you feel with a test level of 1,000 versus 2,000 versus 3 versus 4? Is Masteron better than Primo? What if a guy took his orals five days out? On two days off would there be any benefit to that recovering after using t3 plus we've got some dad advice from dave dealing with insecurities if you're new to our content let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week tons of education and entertainment to help you guys get to your cardio or your commute or whatever else you're doing plus to help you reach your goals more effectively while hopefully staying safer in the process all right guys let's get to the show What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. All of our programming is brought to you by you, the people of Patreon. Um, all of our programming is also brought to you by truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings. We are brought to you by Strom Sports Nutrition, for those of you in the UK. EvalBloodAnalysis.com. Get your lab work done by Dave if you're in the UK and uh, Holland pretty soon. Of course, go to SupplementSource.ca for all of our Canadians. They've got great deals that change week to week. We've got a great topic we're going to get into today, which is when to end your cycle. When when do we call it quits? It can be hard to tell. So we're going to discuss the reasons and why you would want to, unfortunately, end the cycle retool and get ready for the next one. Um, but I did want to mention this, Dave. You are doing a seminar in Holland. We wanted to let everybody know that so that our international people can find out. Fast Driver had commented last week. He said, a gym where I train has, in a few weeks, a seminar from Evil. It's in Holland. Places called Muscle Total. Huh. That's cool. You're going to be in Holland, yeah, it is. Yeah, there's going to... We're doing a seminar. We're doing blood testing. There's going to be me, Vessa... Um, and a, a guy, a recent IFBB pro, I believe. Um, oh, God, I was trying to remember. And I apologize now for butchering his name. Um, he is called Lorenzo. And I want to say Louis, but I may have got that completely fucked Okay. Uh, ooh, so ooh. he's, he's going to do the seminar with us as well. Okay. Well, cool, um, man. What are you going to talk about? Drugs and stuff. Nice. And you have, uh, we wanted to mention too, you have uh, Pillars of Strength is coming up again. People can reach out to you on social media if they're interested. It is a, is it seven week uh, video course that you, you basically, it's virtual. You get to hang out with Dave on Zoom or you can watch the videos after there's homework. You're going to do everything from talking about gear to nutrition and training. Basically everything you need to know over that seven week period of time, right? Yep, that's correct. Um, wonderful yeah guys dave is red hot those are the words he used he's red hot right now it for those of you who speak english it is 86 degrees in dave's office right now 86 degrees i think that was what did you, what did you say 30 celsius because yep. 30 yep. sounds a lot cooler to me <laughs> 30 sounds really like, comfortable cold in fact i'm fat I'm old. I'm red. <laughs> heat is definitely not something I enjoy. I don't like heat either. Would you take cold over hot if you had the choice? Look, I don't mind heat if I'm laid on a beach, you know, with a, a pina colada in my hand or something of that nature. I'm fine with heat then. But sat at a desk with my sweaty balls on a chair, <laughs> no. That is really not a desirable situation. Oh, okay. <coughs> now that we have that visual for all of our audio listeners, and yes, guys, Dave, for the audio listeners, Dave is wearing pants. This was the um, topic we had. Hang on. Yes. Uh, how do you know I'm wearing pants? That's true. I did. I can only see you from the waist up, so that is true. I I was assu making assumptions there, wasn't I? Did you know that balls stick to wooden chairs? <laughs> and how would you know that, Dave? Friend told you? Yeah. 
Okay, so this is a really long one, but basically, uh, true performance has been on cycle. He's been on a blast now for six months. He said he's made some serious gains in both strength and muscle. Um, most of the cycle, he felt great. And every workout, there has been progression. Um, he says um, um, the sides have been super to, easy to manage, never needed a Remedex. Um, should, uh, he says, I should add that the cycle has been 600 test, 600 mass for most of the cycle. Then I added 600 EQ for a while, but I started getting some serious acne, so I dropped it. And I just tapered up the DECA to 900 recently, but the acne seems to continue getting worse the last few weeks. I'm seeming to decline in gym performance. I'm feeling drained all the time now, even after a really good night's sleep. I'm getting pains all over now, and the weight isn't moving at all. Pretty much all progress has stopped, and all of a sudden, I'm getting estrogen sides and have recently needed to start taking ADEX. Is it safe to assume the compounds I'm taking have just compounded along with the wear and tear of the cycle? Um, catching up with me. Is it catching up with me? basically saying um, safe to assume that all these issues are an indicator that it's time to call the cycle over and drop to a cruise and get my bloods done and everything in order so you know this is i mean every every great cycle unfortunately has to come to an end right yeah i mean the the the, the long and short of it is the simple answer is yes you need to come off yeah. Um, the, the stress toxicity buildup's got to a point now where it's counterproductive. Specifically, I would reckon, in fact, I would actually bet my left sweaty testicle that um, his blood's got quite thick as well, and that's where he's getting the fatigue from even after a good night's sleep. So I think his lethargy and fatigue is probably coming from quite high blood thickness. Highly likely, yeah. But on, in general, I just think it, it is a, it's, it's just a stress and fatigue from the drugs. Um, and he needs some downtime, yeah. Uh, and the thing is as well, if he's had a long break before starting this long blast, um, he will probably need quite a long break post before he could do something similar. I think if he tries to go back on cycle too quickly, i.e. only wait six or eight weeks or so, then he'll probably find that his, his tolerance of being on cycle will be much shorter than it was this time. Um, so I suspect that he even needs to do a, a, a mild, short, sort of low-dose cycle for his next one, hmm. and then have some decent time off again before he decides to push into a proper big-dose blast again. Rather yeah. than going from this into another big-dose blast, I think he'll find that problematic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think you can only make so much progress per cycle. You get to a point where you have tapped out, you know, and it sounds like he had, he, you know, he, it's, you know, why did he add a while back? Why did he add the EQ if everything was going so great? You know, a lot of times I've had things that are going absolutely perfect with a cycle. We'll say now with a client cycle, but I've made this mistake before. Things are going great. Progression is going great. I'm feeling awesome. Um, the cycle's going fantastic, low sides. Then I decide I get greedy. And I'm like, well, what if I add this? Or why don't I try that? The reality is the best cycle is the cycle that you don't have any side effects from. If you're feeling good and, and things are working, then don't push it. So I think that was probably his first mistake was, you know, why did he add the EQ? That's where things started to compound and make issues, you know? Yeah, and I think we're all guilty of this, you know, oh, it's going so well, if I do more, it's going to go better. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's part of our mental approach, isn't it? You know, it's, I think it's part, really, of the psychological makeup of someone who does this shit is that if one is good, then four must be awesome. Yeah. Um, because that's why we do what we do. Um, but, yeah, the only time I would say I'd be looking at changing the cycle is if I wasn't progressing. Uh, but if I was progressing and I was feeling good and everything was going well, damn right I'd leave well alone. But even in those scenarios, you'll get to the point where it's just too much. It's just too long, and, and your body just needs a break. And you've got to remember that take the drugs away. Let's just for one moment put all the effects that the drugs can have to one side. The simple fact of growing 
at an accelerated rate is very demanding of your body. Yeah. I mean, it's why as babies and kids we sleep so much is because that's the energy required to help us grow. Now, okay, you're growing at all aspects when you're young, but the point is that if you're growing at a reasonable rate of muscle mass, that's very demanding on your body and it's very fatiguing. And that in its own right is going to take a toll. Add on top of that the stresses of the chemicals. Um, and you start to get a concoction that will eventually get to a point where your body's like, I've had enough, I need a break, I can't carry on with this. Yeah, I, I would agree with that completely. In general, what do you think um, a good duration to shoot for for a cycle would be? How much should you would you plan for to start? You Because know, a lot of guys are going to get everything they need ahead of time. You know, let's say you take your average mass cycle. I mean, it's got to be long enough to make progress, first of all, right? You're not going to, you know, I've seen guys that are like, oh, I'm going to run Super Draw for three weeks, and I, I'm going to hopefully gain 20 pounds of muscle. Like, that's just, you know, obviously, you don't have enough time to gain 20 pounds of muscle. What would be a good length of time for a cycle ballpark? Well, I, I do think the, the old 12-week is probably there or thereabouts for most people, but I would always have an element of flexibility with that. I mean, I've done it with clients. You know, we've got to week eight, and they're starting to have some negatives creep in, and we've gone, right, that's it, we're done, stop. Yeah. And at the same time, we've got to week 12, and they're still flying and they're feeling good and progress is good. It's like, okay, well, let's extend. We'll go to 16. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think... We do like to plan. Um, it's just the nature of, of what we do. And when you, you actually, part of the thing I do when I teach about steroid use is that most steroid users plan what they're doing. Very much so. Um, but at the same time, I do think you do need to have an element of, of feedback and response in how you're feeling, you know. And, and if things are starting to go wayward, and it usually starts with, a reduction in performance, and then it will start with niggles. And you'll normally say, oh, I just feel a bit under the weather. I'm just a bit tired. But the thing is that tiredness persists and that under the weather feeling persists. And then you've got to start going, oh, ah, you know, I may not want to, but at the end of the day, particularly if it's off season, uh, it's probably a good time I take a break and a step back from these drugs and just have a little bit of downtime. Different with comp prep, because unfortunately you do have a deadline you have to hit sure um and a lot of people won't say a lot of people but some people do like long preps um but the way around that is you either start with a low low cycle or you start with nothing at all because your muscle is not going to be under any threat from muscle loss from dieting in the first four four weeks or so anyway because your body fat levels are going to be way too high yeah for it to even start to become a concern so you, you don't, you know, when you start comp prep, you don't have to start a cycle where a lot of people think, well, I'm dying for comp, I need to go on gear. Not necessarily. You can start clean. Yeah, no, you got to lose uh, fat first. That's that's the key, uh, you know. And another thing, I, you find this with powerlifting as well because a lot of powerlifters will have multiple shows they have to peak for. Okay. Um, and I've always said, look, if you're building an elongated cycle where you have to peak on multiple occasions, so it might be that you've got two qualifiers and a final to do, in whatever your chosen sport is, where you can drop the dose, even yeah. if it's just a week. You know, even if you just say, right, post-comp, I'm taking nothing for a week and then I'm going to start back on. Those little breaks will actually help reduce the overall stress that you're getting from the full total of the cycle. Yeah, I, I would agree with that completely. And you made another good point. You know, the fact that here's the way I try to put it to people who are in this position. We don't want to come off. We want to hold on to it. We want to think like, oh, well, no, I'll get back into a groove. I'll keep making progress. But listen, you made awesome progress in the beginning, right? You're not making awesome progress now. The sooner that you come off and you begin to re, you know, retool everything, the sooner you will be able to go back on and gain muscle. So, you know, how long should a cycle be? I think planning to go on the next cycle is really part of that equation if you go on a six-month cycle heck yeah it's going to take you a lot longer to recover and get into a position where you're ready to do it again you know um versus yeah start with 12 and i do the same thing by the way dave i'll go i'll start with 10 to 12 kind of reevaluate it you know from there go to 16 ish 15 16 reevaluate from there and possibly push to 20 you know depending on the situation and depending on how progress is going and if it's still going by the time we get to 20 you know 
know, I, I haven't really seen anybody where it's like beneficial to keep pushing at that point, you know. But the the gear thing is another huge factor as well. You know how you're taking that gear, like you said, if you're starting out with all guns blazing, you know where are you going to go? You know, 16, <coughs> sixteen weeks, eighteen weeks later, you know when you're when you're pretty much accustomed to this. You know, it's not exciting anymore. You know what I mean? You're going to take more and then risk more sides and then more complications and you know end your cycle anyway because of that, like this guy has. No, I agree. Uh, I think I said I think he's just too long, too much, uh, and I don't think it's even a reflection that his cycle was too high as a cycle. I think it's just a case of it's the combination of all factors. Agreed, one hundred percent. All right, we got a bunch of listener questions, guys. If you want to take part in the next show, then comment below. And by the way. If you're new to our content, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell because we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. Uh, and the bell, that's an important part because YouTube is probably not going to notify you otherwise that our content is out because YouTube hates us. You know, our episode we did, Dave, that was uh, like all ad-friendly content where we talked about our favorite gyms and we talked about training age and we talked about all things that were safe and monetizable. It got demonetized. How about that? That's you. I've told you. You think that's... I'm starting to think you might be right. I I personally think we should just replace you. <laughs> All right. S. Daddy. He says, what is the best protocol for having massive wood 24-7? This guy wants massive wood 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Dave. It doesn't sound healthy at 40 years old. I'm not even going to answer that. Viagra. Yeah. Get an you know, implant. You know, uh, Ron Partlow, he is friends with people who work in the the industry. I'm not going to get too specific on the industry because YouTube is not our friend and I don't want to let them know. And you know what he said? The males in this industry, their number one, what's the number one thing that they do to be able to perform. Okay, but I would have thought. Cardio. He yeah. Said, he's, yeah, yeah, because he was like, it's, it's, it's a long taxing job, basically. It's a very physical job. And when your cardio goes, when you're out of breath, so does your little friend. So the number one thing they do is they bust out the cardio hard. Like they go, they do hit cardio, all sorts of cardio nonstop. And plus... I, I, yeah, they want to be in shape too, so there's probably that, you know. I can't imagine wanting a hard on for 24 hours a day. Jesus I, I, Christ! You know what? I don't think he's actually saying that. I think what he's probably meaning, and I'm going to translate here, is he wants the option 24 hours a day. The option is there, so that if the the mood arises, the opportunity shows itself, the, he the, the is best. ready to go. The, the best instantaneous thing for an erection would, would be Viagra. Uh, you can't, there's not really a hormonal way where you can just go turn on, turn off. Obviously, having elevated testosterone is going to help horm help your desire and libido to a degree. Uh, and I mean, trend will generally make people very um, capable sexually. But they're not, they're not things you can sustain uh, beyond maintaining a healthy hormone level if you want instantaneous control over when he stands up to attention then your best bet is going to be the little blue pills i don't really yeah. see another way around that um you know high high tests will come high estrogen so you'll have to manage that and even you tend to find a lot of people uh and i, I can't give you a reason as to why clever scott probably could uh but uh you find a lot of people that will go on TRT, they'll go on, say, 100 milligrams, they feel much better for it, they've got much better sexual desire, then they'll go up to, say, 140, and it's the same, there's an improvement again, then they go up to 180, and it's an even bigger improvement and much more sustained, and then it starts to go the opposite way. Yeah. And the only thing that fixes that is actually a reduction in the test levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know what the cause is there. You know, you can have estrogen in the right place. You can have all the hormones managed. 
but just a sustained exposure to elevated testosterone over time does seem to diminish, diminish sexual drive. Um, and you need to bring it back down, and then you come back down, and all of a sudden your sex drive is back again. Do you guys have, and I've seen that, do you guys have prescriptions for Proviron there? Is that a prescription med? You can get it, yeah. Yeah, okay. certain TRT doctors will provide Proviron as a script med, yeah. Yeah, we don't have it here. It, it, it's not approved in the U.S. It's Isn't it used for... Like for sexual dysfunction, stuff like that? Yeah, it's used for ED and it's used for fertility as well, yeah. Okay, okay, interesting. Well, hope that that helps. What else do we have here? There was our guy who's going to the seminar and Young Lee. Oh, he's on Patreon. He says, how long does it take for HDL to rise back up post-cycle? Been off 12 weeks and about to go back on cycle. Just got my bloods done waiting for the results. Thank you guys. Rock. So he might be able to tell us if 12 weeks is enough once he gets his lab results, huh? I would say if you've not done something specifically to help bring it back up, you might be disappointed in, yeah. in how well it's recovered. Uh, not always. Um, the, 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 the cholesterol thing is very, it does appear to be very much an individual thing. Um, but from what I've, uh, seen, it usually does require a bit of help if you're trying to improve it from cycle, uh, suppression. Um, it will improve initially quite quickly and then it seems to slow and then it seems to take a while to get those last elements up if you're not doing anything to help support it through supplementation or diet. So, and I would always work on trying to get my HDL as high as I could between cycles. So you've got a little bit of a buffer. There is a lot of argument around whether HDL is that important. Um, and even now, when you look at the literature, it will say that they suspect it has a role in cardiac health, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the data from the American Heart Association or whatever its official name is, has actually stated that there seems to be no significance between low HDL and um, increased cardiac risk in the number of people that have cardiac episodes. There seems to be no actual defining pattern around HDL. I think the issue becomes magnified when HDL is low and LDL is high. Hmm. Now, basically, low-density lipoproteins take cholesterol out of the liver and dump it in the bloodstream. And high-density lipoproteins take cholesterol in the bloodstream and dump it in the liver. Hmm. If cholesterol isn't cleared, then it can oxidize and form plaque against the arterial wall. Yeah. So I do think, and they've moved more towards this, that it's the ratio that's important rather than the actual levels. And, and I do think there's some strength in this, that if your HDL is, is low, then you have less opportunity to remove excess cholesterol out of your bloodstream but that that is more significant if your cholesterol levels are actually high. So if your LDL is quite low and your HDL is low, you're probably at a much less risk than is LDL is elevated and HDL is low. Uh, but I find that with this, I would rather err on the side of caution. And the definitely, as far as we're aware, is no negatives to elevated HDL. Sure. So, as far, so I'd just keep it up to be safe because I'd rather be wrong and safe rather than find out that well no it wasn't that important it was important I didn't think it was and now I've screwed myself 10 years later mine stuck at my HDL stuck at 25 uh, for the longest time like uh, you know, run, while I ran cycles it was stuck at 25 and uh, you know now a couple years of having not done all that um, I'm closer to 50 without like having you know i i've always eaten a diet that would be helpful for good cholesterol and taking fish oil and good healthy fats also to avoiding sugars you know a lot of a lot of real simple sugars that's going to have a alcohol. negative impact alcohol Al absolutely alcohol. Big one um and i think some people don't realize that consuming alcohol prior or close to a blood test could could not always but can screw your cholesterol readings quite significantly I'm supposed to go in for a calcium score. My doctor just wants to see what it looks like. I'm, yeah, I'm interested to see what that looks like. Have you ever had one of those done? 
can't remember, mate, to be honest. I've, 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 I've got a consult with my cardiologist coming up to discuss the results of my MRI, but they haven't actually given me an indication of anything. Okay. Well, if it, they haven't so, rushed you in and said it was an emergency, that's probably a good sign to start, right? Well, they wouldn't do that anyway. Um it's more a case of long-term management. They want to discuss about whether they're going to put a auto defib or not inside me. Oh no! Uh, so we'll see. Uh, they're also looking for genetic markers so that they can give caution to my kids if they have potential risks because mm. they do feel. I mean, there's no doubt my heart problems have been down to my size and my drug use, but they do. There is a family history as well, so they do think there's some genetic predisposition in there as well. Okay. Um, what's the biggest fat loss you've seen um, in a client, from a competitive client or an average Joe? Oh, I've seen, uh, if, if timescale's not a consideration, I've seen some am amazing ones. Um, seen guys drop literally 150 pounds. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. Actually, incredible fat loss. Um, friend of mine drops um, what about one hundred and twenty pounds. He's put it all back on now, unfortunately. Yeah. But <laughs> you have to be ready to do it. That's what I've seen. You know, I've seen a lot of guys who are holding a lot of body fat that ha they struggle to adopt the mental change that you need to get into shape. Mm. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, one of the things is is that all of us have some sort of um, psychological, you know, emotional relationship to food. Mm. And if you're not in a place where you're ready for that, then you might not be able to make those changes, especially if you're a guy who's been that way for a long, long time. And, and honestly, what I've had to tell, you know, a handful of people in, in the nicest way possible that really they need therapy to look. And that's tr That's not truth. Not saying like, Oh, you're crazy. But like therapy could really help in a situation where somebody has that emotional tie, emotional eaters, then they can then be in a better mental place to actually be able to make progress or just take yeah, some I mean, Ozempic. I, well, I, I've, <laughs> I've had clients where I've, I've brought their food back up, but maintained that it has to stay clean. So what I found is they're dieting and they're not sticking to the diet and they're having cheats all the time. So I've removed the hunger element from the diet by giving them more food, yeah. but on the stipulation that it has to stay clean to get them into the habit of just accepting the clean food diet with a view to then go back to a reduced calorie approach in a month or two months' time once we've established this baseline of just eating correctly. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes for people, clean food and lack of food together, they just can't cope with it. I I'm, I'm a big emotional eater. I'm a big stress eater. If I've had a shit day, I look to food. Um, and if I've had a hard day with work, the first thing I do is look to food. And, and yeah, it's, it's a challenge mentally to then go, you can't have something nice. You have to eat this diet shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, so I've had a crap day. I'm, I'm fucking stressed as hell. And now I've got to make myself even more miserable by eating this crap that I don't want to eat. And see, that's, uh, the, that's the thing. I understand that. But at the same yeah. time, you step back. And if you look at the big picture, then the, like, the other side of that coin is, okay, so you can have that instant gratification. But is that going to make you happy in the long run? Or is it just going to make you happy in the moment? You know what I mean? And that's the tape that we have to play all the way through. It is, is but it's, I've, I, I mean, at, at that moment in time, I couldn't give a flying monkeys about the long term. I totally understand that. And then um, you also asked, too, what was the, uh, the strategies for clients that are over 30% body fat? Like, is there a different strategy for those people? I find that a lot of people over 30% body fat, not always, uh, but I do find that there's a fair number of them that actually don't eat huge amounts of food. And their problem is more that they've been almost adopted an eating disorder approach to dieting, where they'll binge and starve and binge and starve. Uh, and so you've got to sort of, rather than, you've got to remove, you've actually got to give them more food and say, look, eat more consistently rather than eating virtually nothing for two days and then having a pig out because you can't sustain it anymore. 
which yeah. is where the, how they've approached the dieting before. So there's that aspect to it. I think it, it's small steps as well, developing eating habits with people. So I will always start with breakfast. It's like, right, let's just get breakfast nailed. Because that's usually the easiest meal for somebody to sustain. You know, they can get up first meal of the day. They have no issue with sticking to a proper breakfast and a proper diet for breakfast. And, and then you build in the next meal being correct. And then the next meal being correct. And it's usually the evening meals where they struggle because it's the evening where they're sat watching TV or they're relaxing or they're not doing anything. Yeah. Or the weekends when they're not at yeah. work anymore and they don't have that they, consistency, you know, they, they lose, they lose that structure. So there's, you then start looking at ways to almost occupy them in an evening. Yeah. And it might be that you move their training to an evening hmm. so that they're going to the gym and then, so they're being reminded of the focus of what they're doing because they're now training or they're doing some cardio in an evening. So they're, they're straight away, they're doing something that's positive towards their goal, which makes them less likely to do something that's destructive towards their goal. The only thing I will add, since this is drugs and stuff, the, the drug side of things, I don't with people like this, you know, sometimes they'll say, oh, and these are the cycle, these are the cycles I've run in the past. This is the gear I want to use. You know, we like we talked about at the beginning of a show, the show, it, it, you know, a fat or excuse me, a cycle can only last so long. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we're going to need to make a lot more progress in mm -hmm. one cycle than we can in one cycle, you know. So I'm not that focused on making sure that you're like on a bunch of gear out the gate because it really you're, it's not going to make a huge difference. I do think that there is a motivational aspect to being on cycle. So I have had mm -hmm. people, they don't necessarily need to start it yet. Maybe their, their goal is a hundred pounds, let's say, and we're down 30. Maybe then we might think about like, okay, he's on TRT anyway, let's take it up for a little bit, give him a little bit more of a mental, you know, a mental drive and focus and, and it kind of, whether it's placebo or not, they get more out of it. You know, they feel stronger and then that helps them to stay more focused. So I have done that, but do you need a cycle? Like we've always talked about gear is really not for fat loss directly. And somebody who's really obese, you can really see that like, that's a prime example of where the gear won't make a huge difference, you know? Yeah, I, I do think there is a small value in creating progress because progress can be motivational. Sure. Uh, and that's where the drugs can be useful, but it, it's, it, it is definitely a case-by-case scenario. But for some people, they they don't progress because they can't adhere to it. And then they get frustrated, so their attitude becomes, well, what's the point? I'm not getting anywhere because they can't actually take responsibility for the fact that they're not progressing because they're not adhering to it. Yeah. I've done in cases where I, in those situations I've given them some drug support, they then had progress. Yeah. And then the progress has motivated them, has motivated them to stay and stick to what they're doing, and then the whole thing starts to roll and everything starts to snowball off each other. Yeah, that's but what I'm it, saying. Yeah, it it is it is unfortunately something that you just have to assess each individual with, uh, and it, sometimes within coaching it's a case of right. Well, we've tried this, we've not got anywhere. Mm -hmm. We've tried this, we've not got anywhere. So right, this is the last one in the arsenal that I'm willing to do. <laughs> Let's see how we do with this. You know, so uh, sometimes it is just a case of suck it and see. I mean, I've. A lot, I think, as well, is where you are mentally and physically. Yeah. Um, the bottom line, it, they say this about drug addicts, you can't stop someone taking drugs until they want to stop taking drugs. Absolutely. And, yeah, it'd be and the I, same with and this. I, and I think it's the very same with dieting. Until someone – and a lot of people think they want to diet, but actually they don't. Yeah. Um, they want this look, they want this body, but actually when they actually weigh up the cost of that in, in the terms of deprivation of what they like to do or, or in effort required within cardio stuff, that actual balance is not there for them. Their perceived reward is not going to overpower what they see the workload being. Um, and I think that's a problem as well. Um, it's just getting people to be honest with themselves about where they are and what they're willing to do. My best client, or my, the best progress I can think of offhand, and the, because there's been more than this guy, but my very, I shouldn't say the best, but a good one was my first client ever. My first paying client. 
I had helped people with gear cycles long before I helped them with nutrition. And this guy really wanted me to do his nutrition for him, so I did. He dieted for a year. He lost 100 pounds in one year and gained 10 pounds of muscle on a DEXA scale. So he was happy with that. And then he and his wife planned to go to Jamaica and uh, celebrate. I don't think he maintained it long term, though, was the only issue, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is the other thing as well, isn't it? It's it's about creating new habits and, and new lifestyles so that it is maintainable. Um, and, and that's that sometimes is a difficult one for people because it's like I can sustain a diet until you start telling me that this is what it's going to be forever and a day. And then it's like, good shit. Yeah. You have to be able to back off and find other, Mm. you know, sources of food that you can, you know, work in variety, you know, over time, but we can keep going on about this one. I'll keep moving here. It says, what's the difference in, in the feeling of uh, a thousand testosterone level Versus a 2,000 testosterone level, a 3,000, a 5,000, etc. I'm guessing this is in regards to NGDL and not yeah. in regards to milligrams. Yeah, I'm thinking so too. I think you'll find that the general well-being feeling reduces more than you think as the dose increases. I'd agree, yeah. Um, I've always found that the higher dose never really necessarily gave me more positive in the sense of feeling. Yeah. If anything, it made me feel worse. Um, But it definitely had a positive nature in growth. Um, But yeah, I I don't think, and it's definitely not linear. I mean, um, you know, you don't feel twice as good on, on doubling the dose with no no chance at all uh, or doubling your hormone levels yeah um and and the thing is there's so many trade-offs you know you've got a level of 5000 ngdl then you've also got a, most likely a very high level of estrogen um so there's that element of it as well that affects everything so it's not quite as clear cut as simple as that but i think the bottom line is increasing the dose does not necessarily mean feeling better all right question for the next show um, what are your favorite compounds, both oral and injectable, and what dosage? Uh, dosage is kind of relevant for the individual, but we know a couple of years, Deca and Oxhay. Those are yeah, couple, yeah. right? Deca yeah. and Oxhay. Not a fan of Trend. Um, ECA, you have T5, ECA. You like that over, if you had to pick a fat burner, right? No, um, no, I used it a lot, but I wouldn't say it would be my choice. No, I no? think, I think the sides of T5 are, don't get me wrong, it's a useful little compound, particularly in the dieting phase from a competition point of view, because obviously it will help performance. But I think the sides of T5 are actually much more impacting than people give them credit for. And out of the fat burners, it is probably the one I would say has, with the exception of DMP, um, that probably has the worst sides. I would agree with that, man. And and I think Clen can be, if people run it in the traditional way of ramping it up as high as you can, you know what I mean? But if we use it the way that I've talked about, starting it at a low dose and working your way up, I've had people who ask me, they're like, dude, I don't think the cleanse working. I don't feel it. I felt it for the mm. first day and I don't feel it. You know, and, and we've talked so many times about how you don't have to feel something for it to be working. That's what we kind of want. But dude, I've had some of my worst experiences with ECA, the short mm. half-life. I feel like a million bucks one minute and then the next minute I can't get off the couch, you know, two hours later. It, it's, it's a dirty, it's, it's what I'd describe as a dirty come down. It's, it's anything that's that's basically from the amphetamine family tends to be a dirty come down. You tend to feel ropey as hell. Ropey, that's a good end, word. Off the back end of it, particularly if you've run it at high doses. Um, it's useful because of the stimulation base on it, but no, I think if I was looking for an all-round fat burner, I'd be at either Clen or T3. Um, is ropey a British term? Possibly, I don't know, mate. Ropey. How would you define... Give me a definition for ropey. A hangover would be feeling ropey. I'm feeling ropey after I was out drinking last night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're, you're, you're rough, you know, under the weather, that sort of thing. 
Yeah, or you, you could be feeling ropey at the end of a contest prep, right? Like, oh, I haven't mm. had carbs in five days, you know, did a bunch of cardio. Man, I'm feeling ropey. Yeah, you could do yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, we don't use that one here. EQ, that would be mine. EQ, uh, Clen, uh, testosterone, right? I, I think that that would be our pr- kind of like prime prime thing. I'd want uh, yeah. growth. I, I, I'm a fan of growth, GH. That's a good one. Not high dose, but a little, little growth. Yeah. I, I don't mind GH. I, I mean, I think they all have their places. It, it's just how you put them together. I mean, you know, a, a test mass site, if you wanted something that's relatively easy to get on with, that should give you reasonable returns in relation to dosage, test mass, low-dose yeah. GH every other day, a little bit of insulin with meals potentially, depending on where you are in the food intake, would have a really nice combo. Ooh, so here's a kind of tied in thing when you mentioned mass, because I agree. I'm a big fan of master on an F8. I like the long ester. Um, question for the next drugs and stuff. In what scenarios is Masteron better than Primo? And can they be run together? Thoughts on, on HRT with Primo? How many months do you think this could be run and at what dosage? Somebody asked us they were the other day in the group they're like hey i think you know i'm running masteron can i add primo to that for my cycle and um roman fritz replied and he was like dude why don't you add some trend instead because you're going to get a lot more out of a completely different compound versus like adding the cousin of the compound you're already taking you know i i think the best way to describe the two the both dhts Primo is a more sophisticated version. Now, when synthetic THTs were developed, they were developed in a way, what they were trying to do was remove the negative impacts of DHTs. So they were trying to make DHTs not impact the prostate, not impact the hair follicle. And the one that's most successful of that is Primo. It is the most sophisticated steroid there is from a point of view of a development and how it impacts, which is one of the reasons why it's so mild from a negative impact point of view. But it's also a little bit mild from a progress point of view. Yeah. So the way I've always described the two is that Primo is a more refined DHT than Mastron. And Mastron is a more raw DHT, so it's slightly better from a point of view of milligram per milligram for anabolism, but it is slightly harsher from a point of view of side effects. Um, and that's, you can put the two together. Yeah. Uh, there's no counterness or no counterproductivity from running the two together, but you do have to be wary of your total DHT, yep. particularly from estrogen point of view, and also from a point of view of that then knock-on effect to cholesterol. Uh, but they're both solid compounds um primo i would look more to lifestyle drug use muscle maintenance drug use rather than our all-out growth whereas i think masteron lends itself a bit better to an off-season uh, and and all-out muscle growth hmm. um and uh, that's where i'd pretty much be with it with adding primo to a trt where you've got to be careful is and it's very popular to add master to to trt uh, and I, I get the reasons why because people just like the fact that they are running more drugs yeah okay oh, cool. of course because of course more is better we've we've discussed this already today i don't want to take the any neg- remedex but i'm going to take 250 more milligrams of another compound because it's healthy well exactly and the primo will lower estrogen now if you're running your trt testosterone where it needs to be then running the Primo is going to put your estrogen too low. So in order to offset that, you're going to end up running your test higher than you need for TRT and then use the Primo to manage the elevated estrogen you're going to get from that. Well, you're starting to get in the region of 350, 400 milligrams total anabolic use a week. You can't really claim that's TRT anymore. Yeah, no. But people forget about that. They're like, but hey, my total test, my test, when I get it tested, is still in range, Dave. Yeah, and, but you've just <laughs> got to accept that. And I'm not saying you can't do it, and I'm not saying sure. it's wrong. Just don't try and pass it off for something it's not. Yeah. You know, that total level of anabolic and androgen load, potentially long-term, is going to have issues. So 
when you're adding master or primo to a TRT, see where your test level is. If you are running out of range, then you are going to start to have issues from that. Uh, and see where your estrogen HDL is, because if they're getting knocked down too hard, then there are elements you need to consider as well. Yeah. All right. What else do we have here? Um, question about orals. You think you're saying five days on, two off. Uh, thanks for the amazing episode. Quick question regarding this. Uh, with orals added to cycles, does five days on and two days rest of the D-balls, for example, for four weeks, then two to four weeks off with NAC, high dose, and then back again, would that be a good idea? I think it's a bit unnecessary. Yeah. If you're going to yeah. run orals, just run orals. They're going to stress your liver. Yeah, they are. But I'd just do a sustained block of six to eight weeks. Job done. Yeah, I'm with you on that. No question. Uh, we might have a couple more. And then I think we had a question for you, Dave, for like a we have like a, a Uncle Dave's advice question, actually. And we had a couple people that they really liked your talk. Uh, let's see. Raiden Sky. Um, can you maybe talk? about getting off a T3 cycle regarding tapering off and what to do diet-wise to not blow up after a diet and how to figure out if the thyroid took a hit. So, I think if you're dieting from a point of view of just improving general condition, i.e. just a regular sort of mainstream diet, then your calorie intake at the end of that diet is pretty much what your calorie intake now should be because that's what's sustaining your current body fat levels. You may be able to increase it slightly, but it definitely isn't going to be a big change. If you're dieting from a point of view of comp prep, then that's a slightly different scenario because you're lowering your body fat levels to really low levels that can't be sustained. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first thing I would do is most people will go for the post-comp binge get it, understand why people do it. It's not ideal. Try and be sensible with it, but by all means, definitely enjoy yourself post-show. post, post show. Then I would be straight back into the diet. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to be looking at the diet from a carb depletion point of view, but I would be into the diet, whichever it was, for the week or two weeks leading up to the comp. Um, at that point, I would then tape around the T3, and I'd bring my calories up, but very gradually. So it might only be a two to 400 calorie increase every week or every other week until I'm off the T3 and I know my thyroid levels have recovered. And then I'd just start to bring the calories up in a steady reverse diet. Reverse diet post-show done correctly and sustained can have huge impacts on progression. Sure. Um, I mean, I hope Walter doesn't mind me mentioning him but we backed him out of his last show, that reverse diet was months long. Okay. And we've only just looked at a cycle, and we've had a, we've had a, a six-month break, and he's gained size. Yeah. Got bigger and stronger. Conditions awesome. still in its place. Yeah. Uh, and we're not even bothered with drugs. We just put drugs in now. Nice. So, you know, and that was all down to the fact that we backed him out and, and we backed him out slowly. Yeah. Um, and the rebound effect we got off that and the management of that rebound was phenomenal. But people spend a lot of time when they're doing show prep on dreaming of the day when they don't have to stick to a show diet. Yeah. And then off the back of that, to turn around and go, well, no, actually, you need to stay in this diet now for another six to eight weeks at least. Yeah. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. But you will get massive benefits from reverse dieting if you do it right, and you make those changes slow and progressive. Uh, you've got to be a little bit careful when you reverse out of a T3 program that you don't keep the calories too low because that will suppress your recovery. But at the same time, you don't want them going too high either. Um, so it is just a case of small, steady increments over an elongated period of time. And how do you know if you've recovered? You look at your lab work, and, yeah, and of course. you know that'll tell you. And I, I found that uh, in my years of coaching, which at this point, figure if you're doing this full time, how many people you see each year, and you know, going back to 2009 or 10 or whatever, I, in that time, I've seen one person that did have a sluggish recovery, and 
he he didn't know of any issues that he had, but his mom did have Hashimoto's. So there was some genetic stuff in there around thyroid. Other than that, I, I and maybe it's that I haven't pushed it really hard. Generally, the way I've prescribed or subscribed to using it has been, you know, what I've talked about here, using it more as a replacement and maybe pushing it up higher toward the end. But like we don't get into triple digits. I think the less you've taken, the shorter you've taken it, the easier it is to come off of it and, and, and bounce back. I usually drop it every few days by 12.5 micrograms. And then from there, basically go to 12.5 every other day for a few days and then come off. So we might take a week or so, maybe 10 days tops to come off of it. And, and, and I haven't, like I said, I've never seen, except for that one person issues. So I think that our fear around it, and it, it's not a bad thing. We should definitely respect it. I think that you can have some major issues with thyroid, especially if you're using a ton of it. But the, the, how how resilient it is, I think we don't give our, our uh, bodies enough credit for. Yeah, I think in general, the thyroid robusted. I don't know what you want to call it, actually, but it's much more robust than we realize for tolerating yeah. these elevations and, and suppressions. So I don't think it's as fragile as people think it is. Having said that, though, I'd still be careful and sensible oh, yeah. around it. And shout out to Walter, too. That's really great to hear, man. He's doing great, mm -hmm. huh? All right. Let's see here. So there was a there was a comment here. Oh, oh a couple other comments. Um... He says uh, they dosed parabolin at 76 milligrams because the weight of the hex ester was 26 milligrams. So the dose was 50 milligrams of actual trend every two weeks. That's so that interesting. Mm. We were wondering why it was dosed at 76. Um, and then uh, here's that uh, Uncle Dave. Oh, we made, somebody says we need music. You need a little intro jingle sound effect for Uncle Dave's Wisdom Corner. So we did have a question for you, Dave. We needed Uncle Dave's Wisdom here. And, um, okay, here it is. Let me just pop it up here on the screen. Um, Jack Daniels. I wonder if that's his real name. He says, um, hey, guys, next time on Uncle Dave's segment, please talk about insecurities. Also, Bodybuilding is a sport which has a lot of insecurities. I'm personally insecure about my height. I'm only like 5'10", small shoulders, tiny calves, and I wish that I was a little more jacked. Today, everyone is glamorizing looks, height, money, etc. in social media, so it's easy to compare ourselves. Would love to hear Uncle Dave's advice. Cheerio. Cheerio. <laughs> I think insecurity within an image-based sport like bodybuilding um, is, first of all, widespread and commonplace. Um, and believe it or not, a large number of the pros have big issues around insecurity. More than you think. Uh, a lot more than you think. Uh, I'm not going to drop names, but I know a few pros that, would actually point blank refuse to stand next to me when I was at my biggest because they were insecure about the fact that a non-pro amateur fat boy was proportionally bigger than them. Um, so I think insecurities are common. I don't think it's particularly something that we need to think of as necessarily a negative our insecurities can drive us to improve can drive us to be better of what we are and who we are uh but it has to be looked at from a healthy balance point of view a lot of people will say oh, i've got i'm body dysmorphic i've got body dysmorphia have your bollocks body dysmorphia is a very severe clinical issue which would actually stop you living a normal life so you wouldn't have friends. You wouldn't be able to go out for work. Well, I guess it depends how bad it was, though, right? Well, no. The, the, the true clinical definition of body dysmorphia is a condition that stops you living a fulfilled life. Okay. So it, it's, But that's not to say there are not scales of this. Yeah. But a lot of what we label as body dysmorphia is just actual normal and natural insecurities. Hmm. We, we all have them. We all do have them. Um, I think... It is difficult to do the love yourself thing. 
Um, and I don't think that's necessarily the best way forward, but I do think honesty is. So there's a, I've always used a very simple formula around around insecurities, and, and I, I do have insecurities, and I do get insecure about certain scenarios. Um, but I think it starts with being honest about yourself. You know, if you're insecure about something, the first thing is, can you do anything about it? Is it something you can change? You can't change your height. Yeah. You can't change. You know, you can't change certain aspects of what you are. So then you just gotta. You know, it doesn't make you a weak person or a bad person. And please, for God's sake, do not look at social media. <laughs> it is the biggest pile of bull that is going. And ninety. I mean, I see people of all sorts of levels and standard post on social media. And I know what they're posting is absolute garbage because I know personally that their lives are an absolute train wreck. Or you've seen people that are you've we we talked off the air about a guy who was like, yeah, I'm 100 percent natural and I can't believe everybody who's discounting me. And then you had a private conversation about how he was talking about, well, my next cycle is going to be this and that. Yeah, yeah. it's completely you know, different. So, the real world, you know. So you cannot use social media as a benchmark of what's normal in society because it is utter bollocks. Yeah, um, absolute utter bollocks, both from financial success and the the one thing that's never really disclosed via these people is the hard work it takes. Every successful person I've ever met, every successful person I know, works hard yeah. and works hard consistently. They may not perform at a ten, but they'll perform at a six, seven, eight day in day out hmm. and that's more important than being at a 10 one day and a three the next you yeah. you need consistency and you need performance but with insecurity the only person that judges you is you we've seen it we see it on social media all the time all right so someone will put a post of a comp up and they'll be oh he shouldn't have won he should have won he's much better he's crap whatever it may be yeah two days later they're on to the next thing a day yeah. later, they're on to the next thing. Uh, there's a saying in the UK, it's tomorrow's fish wrappings, because fish and chips are wrapped in newspaper, or used oh, to be traditionally wrapped in newspaper. Really? Huh. Yeah, yeah. So, you huh. know, a lot of, uh, most people don't actually care about you. Fish and they chips don't. was wrapped in newspaper. Yes, traditionally, yes. Like, after they cook it, Yeah. you'd, like, take it, 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 it you get it's it in insu- a... It's, it's, it's insulation. Paper's a good insulator, so it keeps it warm. Would they put that in a bag, then, or what? No, no, it gets wrapped up in a parcel, and you have a parcel with fish and chips. Ooh, that sounds fuck good, dude. Your fish <laughs> and chips over there are the bomb, man. I had it a couple times. It was so good. Sorry. But, you know, people actually don't give a shit about you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's true. What you, it's what you perceive, because they're too busy wrapped up in their own insecurities about <laughs> their own life that they're not actually interested in what you look like or how you smell or what size your feet are or how tall or short you are. What they're actually more interested in is what you think of them. And yeah. the, the the only people that should matter to you are those that are close to you. But those that are close to you accept you for who you are. Yeah. And any changes they want you to make are usually based on improving your well-being, your health. So don't don't be insecure about what other people think because quite frankly they don't they don't give a shit it's just disposable bollocks usually because they're trying to offset their own insecurities by throwing their crap on you um so yeah i mean people that are confident and at ease with themselves you'll find do not disparage others do not criticize others so true don't don't go through all this crap because they don't need to because they're not insecure in themselves. But it does take time. It is something that comes with age. I mean, Jesus Christ, I didn't know where I was in my life till I was at least four. Hmm. I kind of agree with that, man. Hey, I went to a show this past weekend. By the way, shout out to my uh, my client, Jesse. He really kicked some serious butt. He looked great. Um, he uh, So it was the Michigan State Championships. I, I have I don't really go out a lot now, Dave. You know, I hang out here and I talk to you on, on uh Zoom or whatever and right, so, so, we, so we translate that to Scott's got no mates. Yeah, I had no friends. No friends. Yeah. So I go to the show 
And it was so cool because it was such a nice community of people. There was a lot of people who did listen to the shows. I love getting a chance to talk to them. But I could see it, man. I saw like, you know, I'm walking this way and there's some guy I don't know walking this way and he needs to cut over because he's going to the bathroom. Big Jack dude, but his head's like down and he's like, kind. you could just tell the insecurity of all these people that are all based around the way they look are all together in the same room. And there was a, there was a level of tension I could see, you know, people that were, that had that, that had that fear that you're talking about. And it was really cool because I just was like, I just like, I feel like I cut through it, man. And I just started talking to people and people I didn't even know. And I was like, dude, you look absolutely peeled, dude. Or, you know, you've got crazy looking shoulders, man. And, and people just lit up like that tension was gone when you could just like be friendly and just have a conversation and talk. Now you don't get that opportunity on social media. You know what I mean? You don't get to cut through the tension. You just, it's just always going to be there. But I, I don't know, man, it, it, it's easier in real life than it is on social media. I think to be able to, to put that out there. So I, I don't envy people having to deal with that. And we, you know, I guess we have to deal with it to an extent. <coughs> I'm grateful. I'm the age I am now. Because had it been 20 years ago, I might have handled it differently, you know, the social media thing. Bodybuilding as a sport is judgmental. You mm -hmm. stand on a stage in your underpants and ask people to judge you. Literally. So, you know, it, it causes insecurities because you're asking people to judge you. Yeah. You're asking people's opinion of you. And it is purely their opinions. Yeah. They are judged to a criteria, but I know judges that don't, really they have personal expectations of what a certain class should look like and they'll judge to that rather than the class criteria and that's not a criticism of them it's just how they judge yeah so you know you need thick skin if you're going to stand on a stage and ask people to critique your physique because you won't always hear what you want and if you're not ready for that then stay well away <laughs> you know it's the honesty element of what you're capable of doing and what you're capable of sustaining has to be a real conversation with yourself because it's like if you're not confident enough to take personal criticism about your physique then don't expose yourself to it until you are you know some people are absolutely devastated when they come off stage because they haven't heard what they thought they were gonna hear because everybody around them is blowing smoke up the fucking ass yeah. Um, so insecurity is normal we all have it do not think for one second you are an anomaly because you have it but focus on the elements of that insecurity that are genuine things that you can do something about that improve you never look to improve yourself to please others Yeah, because that's, that's a good. recipe for disaster do what you want to do to improve yourself not others yeah yeah absolutely all right well that was good dave and uh unfortunately we didn't have a sound effect to take us out on that but we'll have to find some sort of uh you know uncle dave music dave uh you're going to have your seminar in how long now how long did you say that was two weeks uh, uh the weekend of hang on let me check dates it's the 8th and 9th of july so we travel out on the 7th um, we do the seminar. We come back on the, the evening of the ninth. Are you fly, flying there? Or are you taking no, a drive boat? Driving. You're driving to Holland. Mm -hmm. How do you get there? Is, is it, I thought so, you were on an island. So it's four hour, four and a half hour drive to the Channel Tunnel. Then we take the train, which is like twenty five oh. minutes or something. Okay. And then we'll we'll drive through Calais, through Belgium, up into Holland. Um, we're going to stop probably about an hour and a half away from the venue on on the night before and then just running in the morning and then on the way back it is quite literally a, a, a dash back get the ferry and we'll decide when we get this side whether we're going to drive straight up or we're going to get a hotel on the way back so you can take your vehicle all the mm -hmm. way there mm -hmm. and there's a tunnel well, the channel so the channel yeah the channel tunnel you you drive onto a train that transports you through the tunnel holy crap uh, or you can get the ferry but the ferry is much longer than the tunnel was so we're gonna get so the tunnel. You literally park your vehicle on a train and then the train drives yeah you, you stay in your vehicle because you're only on it for like say, oh. 20 25 minutes oh okay that's cool hey do me a favor man if you remember 
when you're in there, like shoot like a little video or get Mrs. Crossland if she's in the passenger seat to like just hold it up while you're driving onto the train because I want to put that up here so I can see it and everybody else can see it because that's it, something we've never done here. It's quite weird because the 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 top of the it actually looks like your Amtrak your you know your double decker trains it's that sort of size okay and and it, it slides open like this and okay. then you drive onto the carriage yeah and then you have to drive down the train to the end of the carriages oh, and then okay. they just load it up backwards from there then the canopy closes train goes off and then the process is reversed at the other end wow huh do you have to back out then. Or you turn no, around. no, you go out forward. You just go oh. out to the, the front carriage. Okay. Huh. Yeah, get some, if you can. If you remember, tell Mrs. Crossland, shoot, shoot a little phone video, and you guys can send that to me. Yeah, okay. All right, guys. If you're out there in Holland, go to the seminar. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, go to truenutrition.com. You can get all of your bodybuilding supplements there, protein powders, creatine, citrulline, beta alanine, everything else, and use our code THINK, uh, Strom Sports Nutrition. For those of you in the UK, lots of really good health supplements over there and some performance stuff too. You can go to uh, supplementsource.ca for our Canadians and evalbloodanalysis.com. If you're in the UK, get your lab work done by Dave. Last but not least, thank you to everybody from Patreon because without YouTube support, you guys are the ones holding this thing together. For another episode of Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland, I am Scott McNally, and we will see you soon. Thanks, Dave.